Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the White House Press Secretary says the U.S. will not be sharing vaccines with Canada. The administration's focus is on ensuring that every American is vaccinated. uh, And once we accomplish that objective, we're happy to discuss uh, further steps beyond that. A panel advises against using the newly approved AstraZeneca vaccine for seniors. Because they didn't test it enough on 65-year-olds seems to be the problem. Once there there are more results in, Health Canada and the National Advisory Committee, who disagree on this AstraZeneca decision, may come to the same conclusion. And the former military ombudsman is called to testify this week as allegations against senior leadership come to light. It's clear that the Department of National Defence, the largest department in the Government of Canada, has an ongoing and serious problem that must be addressed. When there is a problem at the top of an organization, it is reasonable to suspect that there is a problem throughout. It's Tuesday, March the 2nd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's take stock of where we are on vaccines in Canada, because we've learned from the Biden administration in the United States that they won't be sharing vaccines with us until... Uh, Americans have all been vaccinated. Um, I'm not sure that's a huge surprise, but it is an interesting uh, point to note. Uh, At the same time, uh, there is this development that the AstraZeneca vaccine is not being recommended for people over 65, which is the majority of people who are about to be vaccinated in this country. Um, and, And yet at the same time, there's a new poll out that shows there is confidence on the part of Canadians that things are about to change and that the rollout plan is about to get better. So where do you think we stand on all of this now? Well, roll out or roller coaster, right? We yeah. are we are so up and down um, collectively, emotionally as a nation about this. I think that poll sort of gets at the hope that we all want to feel right now. We're we're coming up. We're a week away from basically a year into this with stops and starts, and I think the poll speaks to people's desperation for some good news on here. Um, as you say, the Joe Biden thing is not a surprise. It also applies to Mexico, and we know what the politics of the United States has been in recent years about its borders. It's become a very um, insular nation. It's it's become very much America first. Joe Biden is not a dummy. <laughs> He's going to uh, is uh, the. Democrats are are in some ways as protectionist, if not more so, than Republican voters. So I am not surprised to see that Joe Biden is doing America first strongly on vaccines. Um, And just on that point, Susan, maybe we can expand on that a little bit, because um, it's interesting how... The packaging is different, obviously, but it's it's likely the same policy, no doubt, I think, that, that the Trump administration yeah. would have had in the same circumstances um, uh, with different packaging. And, and yet, uh, you know, I think a lot of Canadians, as we've talked about before, are more sympathetic to the Biden administration. The outcome is the same. Uh, and and right. <laughs> either way, it's America first. Uh, and uh, we just seem to accept it better from somebody like Joe Biden. 
that's right. I, I, I do think, I remember talking to people in the Prime Minister's office early in, uh, early when it, it, it looked like Joe Biden was going to win. The big difference is the same disagreements are going to be out there. They believe that it will be a more sane and rational process of resolving disputes. That, um, whereas, whereas with Donald Trump, it was almost whimsical. Um, tariffs and they never knew what to expect. There is a predictability to the process, but but you're right. There is um, fundamentally America is very much America first right now, and Joe Biden is is uh, articulating that. The conversations are underway about how much this America first policy will apply to non-pandemic, non-vaccine items. Right. They think those processes will go. Okay, Canada has won exemptions before. Our economies are linked. But as you're saying, uh, not a week since uh, Joe Biden and and Trudeau met, so I guess a week since they met, uh, we're not seeing any, you know, the gates have not opened to the United States. The border is staying closed even. Yeah, and I guess that reflects the political reality in the U.S., regardless of who's in charge in the White House. And as you say, Biden has to has to play with the cards that he's been dealt in terms of the political climate in the U.S., and that's not going to change even if there's a different administration. Nope, nope, no. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Canada-U.S. tension is going to exist. It's part of our the fabric of our countries. So what about the AstraZeneca vaccine and the and the detail here that it's not being recommended for seniors? Um, how do you expect that might change the course of events in the vaccination of Canadians in these crucial weeks that are approaching? I, I wrote about this phenomenon today, um, about this idea of vaccine shopping. I, it, it, the ambivalence around AstraZeneca, which has now been expressed sort of here in Canada, but there, there were ambivalent reviews for that vaccine too, has started this process. And you saw health officials talking about it over the weekend of vaccine shopping, where people are saying, no, you know, I would prefer the Pfizer or I want to wait and have that Johnson & Johnson one-shot one. And health officials and political leaders are very worried about this phenomenon because we need people to be vaccinated. Uh, I think it was Supriya Sharma, the chief uh, medical advisor to Health Canada, said over the weekend, if you have have access to a vaccine, get it. Because uh, this this development uh, will not help in persuading enough people get the vaccine immediately. There will be people who think that this is a shopping exercise when really it is a mass immunization exercise. So um, I think I think this story of AstraZeneca is not over. I think right now there, there have been, because they didn't test it enough on 65-year-olds seems to be the problem. Once there are, there are more results in Health Canada and the National Advisory Committee, who disagree on this AstraZeneca decision, may come to the same conclusion. It's early days, and we're still waiting to see whether the Johnson Johnson one, the one-shot one, is coming from the United States. All of it loops back to the point we made previously, is we're starting to hear stories of vaccines rolling into this country. Um, Municipalities in Ontario are getting out ahead of the provincial government, 
here in Ottawa, uh, they're they're going faster than the provincial rollout. So I think, you know, spring is coming. The days are getting longer. We may get vaccinated, and uh, there are still going to be bumps along the way. But I, I think people are looking at at a more optimistic uh, timeline now, too, daring to dream of an almost normal summer. Just a final quick point on on the poll. Uh, does this show that all's well that ends well in the minds of Canadians, that even though there have been delays and we've seen people in the UK and the US in particular getting vaccinated ahead of our timetable, that if, if the deadline of uh, September is met and if there's a, an influx of vaccines in the next couple of months, that, uh, that Canadians will forgive the government for whatever hiccups came before that? Um. I, maybe, but if I were the, sitting in the Prime Minister's office or in Liberal Party headquarters right now, I would not be feeling complacent about these numbers. It shows it doesn't take much for this government's numbers to be rattled. And it shows that the situation out there is very volatile. As we spoke about, Canadians are in a, um, a pandemic-weary mood looking for hope. And it it tells me that whenever the next election is going to be fought, it's going to be fought on the... Uh, we, we've lived a year in fear, and if hope and fear are the two forces in in political conversation, we've had a year of fear. We, I think Canadians are looking for an election of hope, and, uh, you know, whoever, whichever party is on the right side of that hope part is, uh, is going to do well. I, mm. I think it all proves <clears throat> the poll that that the situation, you know, it, it may be facile to say it, but I, I think the, the political mood out there is very volatile at the moment. Okay. All right. Tomorrow we are expecting that the former military ombudsman, Gary Walborn, will testify at the House of Commons Defense Committee, which is investigating what the government knew and when about allegations against the former chief of the defense staff, Jonathan Vance. Uh, what, do you, what do you expect from this testimony? Could this change the storyline uh, of uh, of this whole uh, saga. This has been a really frustrating story to try to watch from afar because fundamentally we're trying to figure out whose privacy we're protecting here. If it is to protect the privacy of the people complaining about not one but two former chiefs of defense staff, which is extraordinary, then I, I think... We may not learn more if 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 the details if more details hinge on on details of the of the actual complaint. What we want uh, as journalists and, and as citizens is more details on how the complaints were handled. And I think that's the line you're going to see everybody trying to walk tomorrow. Is are we having a conversation about what actually happened, or are we having one about how it was handled? And that's that's what will put the story, you know, a few steps along the way is if we learn more about this conversation between the former ombudsman and the defense minister. One right. took place, but we don't know what was said in there. All right. We will see what happens. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, John Iveson argues Justin Trudeau's COVID response shows money can buy the affection of voters. Iveson writes, New data from Statistics Canada. 
offers some indication why the Prime Minister has been able to brush off public embarrassments that would have brought down less benevolent governments. Disposable income for the first three quarters of 2020 increased around 17 percent, largely because the government's COVID support greatly exceeded losses in wages. The Trudeau Liberals have taken the art of the political payoff to unprecedented levels. The major problem is that it is being done with borrowed money that will have to be repaid one day. In the Toronto Star, David Pedaniccio and Michelle Maroto consider the effects of COVID-19 on the mental health of those already most vulnerable in society. They write, Certain groups, left vulnerable due to larger structural failures, have felt the impact more than others. This is especially true for people with disabilities and chronic health conditions. The pandemic highlights the importance of supporting public health investments, as well as the need to ensure that government policy responses to the pandemic are inclusive of the voices of individuals most negatively impacted. In the Hamilton Spectator, Evelyn Forgette argues now is the time to transform our society with a basic income. She writes, The benefits of basic income have been documented in multiple studies. Mental and physical health improves. People invest in education. There is no evidence that overall work effort declines when a basic income is offered, and some evidence that basic income helps people move from precarious work to long-term employment. Taxpayers are already paying for the hundreds of failing programs that exist. Is it too much to ask that their contributions be spent effectively? Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh and his small business critic will be holding a news conference this morning to speak about the NDP's plan to help struggling small businesses during the pandemic. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on some of the issues facing small and medium-sized companies. Mark, the NDP leader and his small business critic, Gord Johns, will be joined in Burnaby, B.C. by a cafe owner and a local Indigenous tourism entrepreneur to talk about the NDP's ideas for initiatives for small and medium-sized businesses. Now, the tourism sector is one of the key ones, and many businesses in that sector are still awaiting more news from the federal government about support. The small and medium-sized business sector is also awaiting vital answers from the federal government on three other fronts. All of them are federal government support programs, two of which have been renewed, but whose criteria are going to be changing. Small business owners still don't know what to expect. Uh, They were glad when Ottawa extended both the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy and the Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy, both essential for businesses. But the new period kicks in on March the 14th and business owners have no idea what new criteria will be to qualify. Likewise, the Canada Emergency Business Account, or CBA, which offers low interest rate interest rate loans uh, for cash-strapped businesses, expires on March 31st. And once again, businesses and uh, business owners are unsure of what the future holds for them. With the pandemic shutdowns showing no sign of disappearing, Mark business owners are asking both for extensions, but also for more certainty and more information in terms of how and if they will qualify in the future. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Premier of Prince Edward Island, Dennis King. Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will open the Powering Pass Coal Alliance's Virtual Global Summit, hosted by Canada and the United Kingdom. Justice Minister David Lametti will make a virtual funding announcement. Small Business Minister Mary Ng will host a Canada-Sweden Ideas Roundtable on Women Entrepreneurship. And Minister of Digital Government Joyce Murray will make a forestry-related announcement in downtown Vancouver. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March the 2nd. 
Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.